Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 261, Disney's Silver Age. to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Hey there, animation addicts. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. Chelsea, I have a question for you. I have an answer waiting. I, I don't know what that answer would be, but... Silver or gold? Um, Silver or gold? Do I have, like, jewelry? Are we talking? It's up to you. All right. Something so you'd... Would you prefer to own well, in mass I, quantities? Mass obviously. quantity, you're going to go for the gold, obviously. If you're to wear it for jewels. For jewels, I tend to go more for the silver. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm splurging we'll go platinum but oh that's like i don't have any platinum jewelry <laughs> but if so. i'm splurging i would um but yeah silver i definitely end up more on the silver side how about you nice. you know what i was a silver girl for a really 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 long time and i'm kind of veering back to gold uh-huh um gold came back in vogue you know right um maybe five to seven years ago because when i got engaged I remember thinking, because silver was it. Silver was everything. And I just remember thinking, or like... Or even white gold. White gold was yeah, really it. exactly. Like, the silver look, right? Yeah. And, you know, looking at my mom's wedding ring and even my sister, I'm like, oh, how pathetic to gold. have. Gold. <laughs> old. Old gold. Yeah. Right? <laughs> old gold. And now it's like, oh, I, I get a gold ring, for sure. I wear yeah. gold jewelry and necklaces all the time. It's just really funny how style just comes and goes and it changes and our brain really wraps around it. It's like nothing changed. Yeah. Gold was gold. Silver was silver. <laughs> we are really that easily swayed. Look at us yep. go. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of silver, this is going to be a really fun episode. We are continuing our series, breaking down the different eras of Walt Disney animation studios. And we're going to hit up Disney's Silver Age. Not quite as sparkly as the Golden Age, but still quite good. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. 
Silver Age. I honestly don't know why they call this the Silver Age, because if I were to take the beloved feelings that I have for this group of movies versus the Golden Age group of movies, I definitely have I am definitely way more attracted to these movies than I was to the first five. I think the first five, which to recap is Snow White, Bambi, Pinocchio, Dumbo, Fantasia. I think just artistically and from just a cinematic perspective, those are just considered the far superior for one way or another. Yeah. You know, in these films, we start introducing weird animal sidekick characters, maybe not as iconic, a little bit more goofy, which isn't bad. But the Silver Age was from 1950 to 1967. It's kicked off with Cinderella. It's ended with Jungle Book. There's kind of some discrepancy on when this ends. Some people like to say that Jungle Book is part of the Bronze Age, which is the next age after this, kind of the Dark Ages. Well, yeah, the Bronze Age really is considered the low point for Disney. It's right after Walt Disney died. He died in 1966. So the Jungle Book is the first film to be released without him, although he was very heavily involved. So we are including it. A lot of people include it because it had his fingers, you know, his in that pie. So this is an interesting age. It's some of the the hallmarks of this. It's not every single film was a critical success. Cinderella was incredibly successful. Some of these other ones were not. Um, for example, Alice in Wonderland was a, a critical failure. Uh-huh. Um, but when people think of this, they they think of the artistry. It's it's very artistic. It has this painterly look. Um, just magical, whimsical quality to most of these. Later films in this era, um, the Xerox era is introduced, which was a quick way and a faster way for them to copy the cells over without having to completely redraw every single cell. So they have more of the sketchy, hand-drawn feel, um, a little bit more gritty. So there's not a ton of continuity because we do see a shift in technology and just changes. You know, I think... I think of this, I think of 101 Dalmatians is like the epitome of the Xerox era. Yeah. But still not worth to a lesser degree sword in the stone, but sword in the stone. Yes. But for me, those don't warrant breaking it into like, Oh, well here's the silver era. And then here's the Xerox era. It's still worth it to kind of include these all together. Um, So it's, it's a lot, the longest span that we've seen so far, this is about 17 years. Um, and just all around, just good, solid films. Um, so let's let's break them down. Cinderella, Cinderella. <clears throat> wow, it's it's like so. <laughs> I'm off on my singing. Cinderella. Do 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 do. Do you recognize that? Anyone? I do. Anyone? I do. Anyone? It's been a long time since we used that, but we did use. We I did. Still, I still wish we like could. That <laughs> I just was always afraid that. He was going to get, we were going to get sued. Right. Which we would have, you know, for the $5 we make after this. (laughs) I don't know. But like, okay. So if you guys don't know what I'm talking about. So this is the intro song to Cinderella. It's the, the, to go along with the different ranking, the Disney songs. This is an opening credit song and it's 
just during the opening credits, a little song about Cinderella. Cinderella, she's as something as a something. Da, da, da. Anyways, so for the first, I don't know, 100 episodes, 50, I don't know what it is when we finally switched it over, but we had this song that I really liked, and it was from a Disney ragtime at the Magic Kingdom CD, and it's by a guy named Chris Calabrese, and he doesn't own the songs, but he owns, like, the, the CD, you know, like, it's his recording of the, well, right. They are his songs um, because they're like custom written, but they are based on obviously these other yeah. popular stuff. Right. Yeah. So, so he owns the, he owns the master of this. Yes. I liked it. And so when he was like, okay, we need a theme song. I was like, well, I like this song, so I'm going to put it. And it, to me, you know, was kind of very Disney to me, obviously. And so I loved it and I thought it was great. And sure. You, you listen to podcast intros. It's usually like the big loud, like boom, like, okay, fine. But I don't want that. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for the roast scopers. And <laughs> so I tried emailing this guy uh-huh. countless times before we started the show, during, after, like he has a website uh-huh. and he has an email address. And I've e- I emailed him multiple times like, hey, could we use this song giving credit as our theme song for the podcast? We'll include like links to the CD where people can buy it and reference you, blah, blah, blah. No response. Try again. No response. Like years I tried doing this. And eventually it's like, does this guy not own an email address? Does this email address <laughs> go nowhere? I, 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 I think I tried tweeting the guy. Nothing. Crickets. So eventually for fear of this person who clearly doesn't care enough to send a cease and desist or even to say like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Like, <laughs> there was no reason that he was ever going to come and sue us. But the problem I think also came when we started putting our show on YouTube for a period of time. Yeah. And then the automatic copyright thing. And we're like, well, we can't have that. Right, right. we switched our theme songs over. So that is our tangent time for today. Um, That's (laughs) not what the episode is about. But so Cinderella. Ah, this was a a huge success for the studio. And oh, it's so good. I love Cinderella. Cinderella is perfect. She's amazing. She's such a role model. She's a goddess. And it's such a great story. And they really do a great job with it. You know, my only drawback. I guess is the animal sidekick characters. Um, I like some more than others. Mm -hmm. You know, I like that the mice help her, you know, make the dress. I like the birds. I just don't really love Jacques and Gus Gus and their shenanigans. Mm -hmm. Um, I understand why they have to do it, but I just feel like eh, it could have been that much even better. (laughs) Maybe not. Who knows? You know, Lucifer is a great character, but Cinderella, she's great. The prince is great. The king is great. The Duke, the grand Duke. It's great. It's, ah, so many things. The animation is wonderful. The transformation scene of uh, Cinderella turning that supposedly was Walt Disney's favorite piece of animation ever transforming into her ball gown. Jeez. Uh, I mean, I just, just think, go off. I just forever. think about the, the having a cell of that moment and just oh. like, Oh my gosh. Even when you look at some of the art books that talk about these eras, Mm-hmm. Like there's ones by Charles Solomon. That one, it, he goes through all of the the different types or the different eras of Cinderella and not just this v- version, but like the Peralt version oh, and all mm-hmm. these others. And so and then it goes into the live action version of Cinderella and even the live action version. They did such a good job with like, I just mm-hmm. I just love everything about Cinderella. <laughs> I, I have so much so much goodwill toward that movie that it's, I would say it has infinity replay value. Like 
just put it on. It's not too long. I remember watching this when they put out the DVD or uh-huh. it was the Blu-ray and they yeah. had a special screening in theaters. And it was the first time I'd ever seen this in theaters and it blew me away. It was just, it was like, wow, I feel like I'm going back in time watching this. You still see a little bit of the sketchiness on the scene and like, it's just, it was just so good. And I, yeah, we could go on and on about Cinderella. It's so good. But we won't. We must we move on. We must. One year later, Alice in Wonderland, 1951. We actually just reviewed this recently. We did. Long, long requested. And they were going to initially make this as a live action film, but they decided to make it in animation, which I think was such a good choice. Yes. Animation or live action had been attempted so many times before with this. And this is kind of like an overdone property at this point. Uh-huh. But animation really allowed the it's not the gimmicks but just the absurdity of this story it really allowed it to shine and not be weird and creepy right they chose their moments well based on hearing what jonathan was talking about as far as like how creepy it got in some of the other versions the the long neck (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i just i look at some of the, the things that they chose and they they kidified it enough that there's different characters in there that you'll always remember and you have different voice actors that are just gonna stick with you forever and even like if i look at the cover art for alice in wonderland i'm like that looks fun let's watch it you know (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't my favorite i didn't enjoy it very much it's too wacky for me even this version but i definitely go through and can see the pluses and minuses and i can see all the pluses and be like yeah i acknowledge there are are good mm-hmm. things here mm-hmm. yeah i like alice in wonderland enough but i'm not going to go out of my way to watch it all the time it's just never like i talked about the episode which i'm not going to spoil you should go back and watch it it's a good one but it it just wasn't one of my favorites growing up but i really appreciate the artistry uh the mary blair of it all yeah, um, she was really pivotal in Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. Uh-huh. Those were kind of the three. When I think of Mary Blair, I can picture very specific concept art that she she did. So moving on to 1953, Peter Pan. I love Peter Pan. Me too. Yeah, I always would watch Peter Pan. It's like Alice in Wonderland, where it's more of like the whimsical fairy tale. But it's just for me a lot more fun. And I think because it's not totally wacky uh-huh it's a little bit more grounded in reality yeah it's just a little playful mm-hmm. i love the mermaids the mer- i love yeah. captain hook he's just such an amazing villain i love peter i love the lost boys i like wendy i like her brothers I like tinkerbell is you oh, can't yes, get Tink. much more iconic than tinkerbell right yeah so good next up is lady and the tramp 1955 no it's this sweet a good one. every time i watch it i i <laughs> don't want to turn it off it's really good it's yeah. really engaging it's just such a funny story because it's really just kind of meanders along story of this dog you and know, as you she say meanders I, I see the dogs meandering along yeah. i see they're just kind of like trotting and... along and <laughs> they're just being dogs yeah but it works so well jock and trusty cute yeah okay then we have sleeping beauty i love Sleeping Beauty. 1959 and gorgeous gorgeous it is gorgeous. I mean, just how everything is is laid out, the artistry of it is just phenomenal. And the music, I was always a fan of how they were able to really adapt mm-hmm. this score to this film. And from the 
ballet. Yes. And I love the good and evil side of it. I love the mistress of all evil. Oh, goodness. Mm -hmm. She's so good. And I just see a lot of Mark Davis. There's specific pictures that I can see in my head of his artwork of preparing for Maleficent. And it's just like, oh, so beautiful and so majestically evil. It's lovely. Prince Philip, he's our prince. He's he's the guy. So many good things. Ah, Philip, he's great. <laughs> he's the best. Yeah. You know, and people like to harp on Sleeping Beauty or Aurora for not being the greatest princess. And you know, she doesn't say a lot, but it's kind of the point. And when you, we've talked about this. It's, it's not her story. Yeah. Surprisingly, it's his story, his, at least in this version. Yeah. His and the, the three the fairies. fairies. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's different than, you know, at this point, there really hadn't been an established princess trope. You know, she's only number three to come up. Right. When you add on all the other ones and what happened. Yeah. She does seem like an outlier and, and like she had nothing to do with her story, but you know, that's, that was the story. Sleeping beauty. She's sleeping for a long time. Let it be a story. (laughs) Yep. Next up, 101 Dalmatians. This is where we start seeing a little bit more of a shift. Uh-huh. This is the first one that the first film of Disney's, which was in a contemporary setting, mm-hmm. um, Lady and the Tramp, while it was a little bit more updated, it's still kind of set in 1920s. But this was set kind of essentially at the same time period, like 1960s. And uh, Xerox was introduced starting here. And such a drastic shift from Sleeping Beauty to 101 Dalmatians. Yes. The color palette of Sleeping Beauty, it's really emotional and it's stark. And there's the purples and the greens and the blacks and very contrasting. And then we get Hunter and Dalmatians, not to compare in any way, you know, that's two years later, 1961, but it's just different or modern, a little bit more, little more rough around the edges, less polished. Love this story. I always would watch a Hunter and Dalmatians. Like mm-hmm. I, every time I'm like going down these lists, I'm like, how many, I, w- I really wish there was some sort of counter in heaven <laughs> that would tell me like how many times I really did watch these movies. Cause I feel like right. it's dozens at I'm least like, I rarely let my I, it's very specific when I let my watch let my kids watch TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like for one 30 minute show <laughs> right. or one like half of a movie. Like it's so strict. I'm like, nope, that wasn't my mom. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not at all. Because I've watched this dozens of times. Yeah. But again, of course, over eight, you know, you know, I'm talking just like through the first 18 years. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. It is a good one. I've always really liked I love Pongo and Perdita. I love Lucky. I love all of the the Rolly, you know, the specific dogs that you, those are really the only specific dogs, you know, but, <laughs> um, but I mean, Corella DeVille, the fact that we had a full episode on whether or not she can be sued or she can sue <laughs> Roger for uh, that's, defamation. That's why nerdy couch discussions were invented <laughs> yes. for episodes just like that. Just like that. I mean, it has so many things about it and they, you know, when they later on, they remade it. And that first one, I still quote, there's that moment where he ends up riding his bike into the lake and you have the old ladies sitting on the bench and they're like, I don't think he wanted to do that. I quote that <laughs> line all the time. <laughs> I don't think I wanted to do that. But I mean, just I actually look at this film and I just see more fun. Like all the other uh-huh. ones were <laughs> a little bit more thoughtful and a lot more like they cared about a lot of things and you care about a lot of things but this one i think the fact that it was more sketchy you know the the animation itself wasn't as highbrow it let 
the story be a little bit more just endearing the story mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. Next up, Sword in the Stone, 1963. It's about the iconic Sword in the Stone. I actually read this book. So this oh. is based off T.H. White's novel. He wrote, I think, four book, four of them. There's a fifth, but people don't like that one. And so they don't really include it as part of the, the canon. But it's mm-hmm. basically, he took all the different stories and legends about King Arthur, and he formed it into his own novel um and the first one is called the sword in the stone and then there's three others i haven't i'm in the process of reading those but then later they compiled these four books into one book called the once and future king and i I never knew about this book series Hmm. at all or this book i guess they're this mini books but they're long books anyways this specific sword in the stone is based on this book the sword in the stone and it's interesting because this is a very influential book it kind of is one of the pillars in the fantasy genre merlin and talking about the book now not necessarily the movie quite yet but merlin and arthur's relationship is very interesting and there's so many parallels between jk rowling and um the harry potter series with dumbledore and harry Mm -hmm. like once you read this book and then you look back at their relationship and she's even said like yes it was an inspiration like okay so clear it's just really cool. Anyways, so The Sword in the Stone, based on that first book, and it really is based on that first book where he goes and he's teaching him these lessons through it, transforming into different animals and whatnot, and it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. You know, it does feel episodic in a way, and yeah. the book felt that way. It was like, all right, what animal are you going to turn to this chapter? Right. You know, so it kind of got boring in the middle because it was just like, okay, we're turning into something else, like for the seventh time. Mm-hmm. Like, Let's do something different, you know, but he learns different things about how to be a good leader through that. We don't really see, we don't see quite as many in the movie as, as he does, but yeah, it's good. And you know, this one I never owned, so it wasn't necessarily one that I kept going back to time and time again, but I like it when I watch it, but it's still, it's, it's still kind of missing something for me. And I think it's just, it's episodic. Yeah. It's slow. Even when it gets to the end, it's just kind of like a, well, I guess we're here. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean he's yeah. sitting on the throne like okay now what <laughs> yeah so yeah. it's you don't have nearly as much of a the hero's journey it's a lot easier to to follow these films when you have this a clear cut this is the story you know yeah but yeah. apparently they say the the story really gets going in the future books okay good you know when he good for his them. relationship with Gen genevere guinevere and and lancelot it, it's really really good so i gotta get myself there okay last one the Jungle Book, 1967, we talked about how this Walt was not alive when this was released, but his hands were involved in this. I really um, like this movie. This one's so good. I, you really can't go wrong with The Jungle Book. It's fun. The story progresses really nicely. The characters are good. Songs are good. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's all around good. Yeah, it's very succinct. You know what the what the story is. Now, having gone back and read the, the book, there's still moments that I'm like, ah, if only we knew more about Bagheera. Because he's got he's got a backstory that they never no movie ever goes into this backstory, which is so great. So if you want to to read it, yes. If you also want to know about it and you don't want to read it, (laughs) you can go listen to our Jungle Book episode. I I go through it, but it's I clearly forgot. (laughs) (laughs) But he does. He does have a very a very interesting and like provocative almost uh, Uh backstory that you're like, wow, I have no idea why nobody's ever like leaned into this yeah but it's good cool okay so this is the silver age all like quite a variety of films they're really starting to hit their stride at this point in time but you can also see how 
uh, maybe toward the late 50s, maybe 60s, 60s specifically, Walt's attention was elsewhere. It was towards Disneyland and some of these the TV properties. Like right. he was just, yeah, it's getting so big. You can see how maybe the magic Disney touch isn't quite there with some of these other ones. They're still good and great. We like them all. But so do you have a ranking? I do. Or yes. I, okay. My lowest, I'm going to start with Alice in Wonderland and then building up to Sword in the Stone. And then I'm going to mm-hmm. say Peter Pan, followed by Lady and the Tramp, Jungle Book, 101 Dalmatians. And I kept going back and forth on whether or not, on which one was the real like winner of this, um, Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella. But I think I'm going to uh-huh. go with Sleeping Beauty and then number one, Cinderella. Okay. Right, we're going to have similarities. So number eight, Alice in Wonderland. Number seven, Sword in the Stone. Number six, 101 Dalmatians. It hurt me to do that because it's so good. See, it's so low makes me sad, but these other ones are better. Five, Jungle Book. Four, Lady and the Tramp. Three, Peter Pan. Two, Sleeping Beauty. As much as I love Sleeping Beauty, it's so, so, so good. Cinderella. Cream of the crop. Yeah. Number one. So, there you go. I want to go watch it right now. (laughs) Yay. I want to know what you guys were, how you're ranking these things. If you are agreeing with us, be then let us know. If you disagree with us, even more interesting, tell us why. So go to rotoscopers.com slash 262. It just keeps going up. <laughs> Funny how they do that. Yeah, you know, it happens. One week at a time. So head on over there. Until next time. We, we are, are the Rotoscopers. rotoscopers. Ooh, dog series coming up. Yes. Nice. I love how you're like, yeah, a lot of them just kind of fit into Halloween. So <laughs> they work. Like, fair. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> like throw Scooby-Doo in there. Yeah. That's Halloween. Frank and Weenie. Yep. Yep. All right. <laughs> You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews, and interviews. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.